Good afternoon, everyone. This is a doctor and a lawyer walking to a podcast. I am Dr. Blom, and with me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, excellent friend, Sean Esquire. How's it going, Dr. Blom? It's great. It is May the 19th, 2023. We are once again hailing from the great state of Texas. Excited to be here, excited about life, everything in general. Yeah, you're back home now, away from uh, from work. When you got to go back on the travels? Another week or so. I think it's looking like June is going to be pretty murderous, pretty heavy, heavy duty schedule in June. It's getting hot in Texas, so I won't be won't be missing too much. So we'll we'll see. There'll be some up and down on the schedule, but happy to be home. Got my creature comforts, hanging out with the dog. Happy, uh, happy as can be. Trying to avoid a yard work in the hot sun as much as possible. Good to be back. Um, let's get into some follow-up. I'm going to jump to mine just before I forget. So I had talked about Wrexham Football Club a little while back, the team owned by Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. They call them the, the Deadpool team. Not yes. to take away, the it's always Sonny and Deadpool team. Maybe that's my, that's my nickname. So just as a follow-up, there's five levels of professional football in England. Wrexham was in the bottom, the National League, uh, the top being the Premier League, and Wrexham scored enough points this season, they will be getting promoted to League Two, so they're moving up the ranks. From five to two? Uh, no, five to four. Level oh, four five. is called League Two, then it goes to League One, then the Champions League, then the Premier League. Uh, it sounds like a pyramid scheme. It kind of is, yeah. <laughs> So uh, the pyramid scheme is like the majors. And the more money you put into the team, the likelihood you're going to move up. So yes, it is a pyramid scheme. Right. But they don't have uh they don't have like a Michael Jordan of soccer. They're they're still they're still the the tried and true underdogs. Yes, they're the double A moving up to triple A level okay. B. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a lot of tiers and hierarchy in their system, I think. Yeah. Very, very much so a monarch of sports. But that's their first, that's their first time, you know, owning, they own a team in a country that they're not from. That's good. Sounds like they're, they're getting there. America winning again. Right. Uh, Well, Deadpool's Canadian, but he lives in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. But he lives in the U.S. So he's, you know, he's American by, uh, by default. Um, So that's good. Yeah. I'm glad they're, they're making their way. That's, that's encouraging. So I've got uh, got a couple of Mayakopa slash follow-ups from uh, last episode. One was, I think at one time when we talked about World War II, I had accidentally said the Germany-Austrian border. So it might have sounded like Australian. I'm sorry, it might have sounded like Australian border. I said Austrian, by the way. So <laughs> I, I didn't know they were all the way over there. It was pretty, it's a glitch. They're very close, actually. They're closer than, you know, I mean, in terms of size of the universe, very, very close. Then also, I wanted to mention, this is, this is pretty nauseating, that we, we often try to get a, a death toll on things, not because we're that morbid, but just to give a, a grab the, the necessary, 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 <laughs> I'm just going to go with, to go necessary? with the, I'm only on beer too, by the way, yes. So from The Hague, from World War II, there were 177 defendants, 24 of them, only 24 were sentenced to death after all of that. Uh, 20 of them got lifelong imprisonment. 
there was 98 other uh, prison sentences. But out of all of that murder and Holocaust and everything, 24 sentenced to death. That really, yeah. yeah. And you said you only know, another 20 got life sentences? Yeah, 24 sentenced to death, 20 uh, lifetime imprisonment, and uh, 98 other prison sentences. Who knows what that is? So that's uh, that's really nauseating. That's horrible when people think about just the amount of bloodshed. Um, yeah, I, I was very, very up. And I had read that many years ago. I think I, I had purged it from my memory just because it was so nauseating. And then rereading it for follow-up, I was, you know, somewhere between beyond furious and nausea. Those just are, those numbers are, there's no, there's no real justice there. Yeah. Uh, moving on to less uh, infuriating things. One thing is, um, oh, <laughs> I had said, I made a, a reference to the who, meet the old boss, same as the new boss. It's meet the new boss, same as the old boss. That's another mistake of mine. Again, I think at that point in the podcast, I was only on beer two. So I can't Beer two is when your memory starts blanking. Ah, you know, Germany, (laughs) Australian border. That works. Also, I I had a quick question for you that you, you know, you've said a few times sidebar. Sidebars they don't go into the public record at, at all, right? Correct. When you, so when you do lawyer when sidebar. In, yeah. When you're in trial and you have a sidebar with the judge, like say it's a jury trial, you want whatever you're discussing to be heard outside the presence of the jury. So it could be like a question of law or something that you want to get into. So you sidebar with the state, with the judge and say, judge, this is what we want to ask are you going to allow it? Because if you say no, because you think it's going to taint the jury, we don't want to bring it up because you don't want to just ask it. And then you end up getting the case tossed or they have to retry it because now the jury pool is tainted from what they heard. It's so is it usually to protect the case from specifically from, from jury, whatever misinterpretation or anything like that? Right. Right. Okay. And sometimes we'll ask the jury, you know, ask the judge for the jury to leave if we want to hold a hearing on it. Um, but typically when it's pretty minuscule, you're talking more about questions directly on testimony. Uh, and you get to that point where, okay, maybe I wasn't going to ask this, but now that a witness said it, I want to, but I want to have a sidebar with the judge just to make sure, hey, we're okay getting into this area and we don't want to screw this case up and have to retry it. You don't want like four or five sidebars in one in one day in court on the same case. <laughs> <laughs> another, another, another sidebar, please. And, and there's things that, you know, there's something called a motion in lemony that you file uh, prior to trial. That is just a motion to discuss what things should not be talked about in trial. And usually at the pretrial hearing, judge will make rulings on those specific items in your motion. But every now and then there's a situation where the judge is like, we didn't need a sidebar for that. Stop doing that. Stop. <laughs> yeah, usually they're okay with it. And then uh, why do they call it sidebar? There's no bars in the in the courtroom. There, There's not. I mean, in theory, the border between the, I guess, visitors of the court and where defense tables are, we consider that the bar. I guess there used to be an actual bar in courts that ran across that. 
So yeah, I you... assumed in the olden day there was just a guy there that was just handing out whiskey and that was the bar <laughs> and they didn't want to include him in the sidebar conversation. Which is a great name for an actual bar. Sidebar. The sidebar? Yeah. Yeah. I know I know of a bar uh not too far from a from a law center and they call it I think they call it the loophole. That's pretty oh, good. Okay. I like that's a good I one. Like that. Yeah. Ours is the equivalent of sidebar on our end is something called a curbside or a curbside consult. So I might want to reach out to whatever specialty cardiology and say, Hey, I want to put a bug in your ear, call a cardiologist. Say, I got this guy and I don't think he needs a full cardiac workup. He's 90 and uh, he, he, he wouldn't want it anyway. And so I just wanted to touch base with you. So this is not a formal consult. It probably won't go in the medical record. I definitely won't name names to make it a medical legal thing, but from on our end, that's called a curbside. And so I it's get like curbsided. a CYA kind of thing? Kind of, but it, I don't think it would protect you legally. I don't think it would protect you medically legally if things went wrong. It's very, very informal that you just reach out to your friend or your your consulting doc or whatever. So sometimes ER will call me on, on a case and say, hey, I got this guy and I don't know if he needs to be admitted. It's what's called a, a soft admission that it might be it might be they're just sort of being overly protective. Like, well, he doesn't, he really medically doesn't need to be admitted except for the fact that he's homeless and he lives under the bridge and he doesn't have any kind of social support structure. And so that's not a medical reason to get him admitted, but certainly it's a, it's a social issue. So we'll, you know, happy, happy to do those, take him in, get them, get them comfortable for the night and then try to get them to talk to case management in the morning. And so, um, yeah, curb curbside for us or curbside consult, no, no judges. It's definitely wouldn't, wouldn't protect you if there's if something went wrong regarding medical liability. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. There it is. It's nice. time for beer of the pod. Uh, I know I just opened a can, but I'm going with a Shiner Bach today, Dr. Blom, a good Texas beer. I think I've heard of that one. Yeah. They're, they're an up-and-coming brewery, I've been told. Um, They've been around for a long time. Yeah. Were they first or was the town first? I don't know. I have to assume, is yeah, the town is Shiner. So. Yeah, but did they put the brewery and then name the town after the brewery? I think it's one of these, there's a lot of these old-school German communities in Texas, like Pflugerville or whatever. Uh, and then, so I, I think it was a German community and then Mr. Shiner and his family said, Hey, this community needs some beer. So I like Shiner. It'll be kind of a go-to, I kind of got burnt out on it many years ago, but that being said, when you go to the brewery, first of all, they're crazy nice at the brewery, very nice. And, um, also something about getting beer direct from the brewery that mm -hmm. day way more delicious i guess it's like that thing that people talk about the mexican coca-cola is better than it's the american coca-cola or like whatever the freshness yeah no whatever whatever it is the the brewery on the on the brewery the beer on the brewery tour was really great and i've never done a brewery tour where everybody wasn't insanely knowledgeable really nice you, you have no idea before you go in how much exactly they, they have it down so they literally have a biochemist on site and that's what, he, that's what he does. He has a biochemistry background and he makes beer. He helps them what, make beer. Where's the town at? It I is, mean, I know Shiner, but we're at in Texas. 
yeah, between Houston and SA. If you, okay. if you ever ever do that drive, yeah. If you ever if you ever get a chance, definitely go by the Shiner Brewery. Really, really good. Oh, maybe um, we'll doing... have to do a, a live podcast at oh, the brewery that'd be great. sometime. That that'd be really good. They, I have a feeling they're one phone call away from from getting us that yacht, the SS Shiner. There we go. Probably one one twelve pack away from doing that. I like the fact that they went they went from like a six pack to a twelve pack, and now I think they have something insane like an eighteen. Get, get like a whole case of uh, bottles. <laughs> They're getting getting bigger and bigger. The uh, I'm I'm at home, so I I've got my go to Abita my Abita Amber for now. I'm running low on the eight track Amber. Both excellent Ambers. Mentioned them many times before. Need to figure out where the Abita people are. I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're Texas, they're Louisiana, Texas aren't they? Folk. They might like be New Orleans or something. I have no. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I totally forgot. They are New Orleans, so that's worth it, a trip for sure. Yeah, they always do the um, Mardi Gras beer because I've gotten that a couple times. Oh, the Abita. They have a seasonal Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty good. Um, okay. Want to pick up a couple six packs next year? Definitely. Yeah, that's worth a field trip for sure. Go to New Orleans, French Quarter. Yes. Get, get some uh, get some etouffee. Absolutely. Speaking of food, um, my meal of the week, and I don't even would say this is the best meal, but we go to lunch every week at a little uh, Mexican place called Desperados over in Border of Richardson, Garland. And uh, they have these tacos on their menu that – it's basically beef or chicken fajita uh, on a fried flour tortilla with Monterey Jack cheese and pico and all this. It's listed. It says on their on their page. It's like top. It's in the top one hundred foods. It's like number sixteen of the top one hundred foods you have to try if you visit Dallas. And I had them. I even see it was rated like top five tacos. I don't know if that's in Dallas or Texas, but I think they're exaggerating a little bit. Yeah. Uh, sorry to Desperados. I mean, they're fine. They're just, I wouldn't say top five or even 16th thing you need to try in Dallas. I think the real taco wars are between San Antonio and Austin. Okay. I understand Dallas has a lot of great restaurants, and uh, I think Dallas has a lot of great high-end restaurants. I know there's one... Can't remember the name. Of it. I have I have paid more for Mexican food in in a setting in one setting in Dallas than I would normally care. I'm like, oh, okay, it's a high end burrito, still still a burrito. <laughs> so I feel like there's a big Hatfields and McCoy situation between Austin and San Antonio for for the uh, for the taco for Mexican food in general. And the other thing is, it's become a very public domain. Thing. I mean, once upon a time, it was like, if you want tacos, you need to go to a real deal Mexican place. If you want burritos, if you want Mexican food, you need to go to a real deal. But it's become so ubiquitous. You can go to these taco trucks in the downtown Austin yeah, area. Yeah, get you street it, tacos. It'll be some 25-year-old kid with a blue mohawk. And you're like, all right, I'll try your tacos. Amazing tacos. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> so <laughs> there'll mm-hmm. be, you know, some Mexican dude from SA. Like, don't go to the blue hair this like very <laughs> Chico, right? Just call it Gringos, Gringos tacos. So uh, I've had, I've had both. You know, huge, huge fan of Mexican food in general. Austin, in many, many ways, is getting it done. San Antonio is getting it done. Also, San Antonio put the 
Put the hatchet away. Put the machete. Put the machete away, guys. You're both good in your own way. Old world, new world. There you go. So, so I, yeah. I had, yeah, this last week I had, I, I just wrapped up a week of work, chicken caprese. And okay. this is this is a chicken that's uh, roasted in the oven. But uh, you do it with, uh, well, uh, towards the end, mozzarella, tomatoes, basil. So it's like a caprese salad. Mm-hmm. Except with chicken. And I like it with dirty rice and green beans. And do you, pretty... do you put any of that balsamic glaze and some olive oil over it when it's done? So the short answer is yeah, you can do that in the skillet, you know, put the put the chicken in the skillet, olive oil, and I, I honestly do it towards the end, olive oil and balsamic. And... I would say do it on it like not in the pan. Once you plate, do a little drizzle of the olive oil yeah. and the balsamic cool. glaze. Yeah, I need the, the olive. I need the olive oil as I go, and then definitely the balsamic is towards the end. But uh, yeah, very quick, easy, painless. Maybe throw some peppers in there, some some red peppers, orange peppers. Really good. Not not too heavy duty. Not duty duty intensive. Right. Um, really really good. We're checking out. And then also, you know, we have we're coming to the end on our exchange students. We have a we have a French exchange student, an Italian. <laughs> two girls they they love sweets they love baking so in the last week or so they they make tiramisu which might be my favorite dessert ever it's definitely up there i like very complex things that have like gooey crunchy that's why i'm very i'm very serious about my crunchy tacos you know, Torchy, Torchy's Tacos in Austin, they're like, come on in for tacos. All they have is soft tacos. I'm like, those are called burritos, everybody. When you wrap, <laughs> when you wrap stuff in a tortilla, that is a burrito. That is, that it's not a breakfast taco. A taco is crunchy. I'm going to, that's, I'm going to die on that hill, by the way. So I like things that are kind of complex when they have, quote unquote, the mouth texture. And I feel tiramisu has that, but it just has so much going on. Like stage two, three, the flavor that, ha- that hits you love tiramisu yeah. it's got that coffee that coffee yeah. taste to it as well so that's one of my favorite desserts ever so they made that at home yeah they well they've made it a few times yeah and it's out it's outstanding it's really wow. really good awesome well um let's get the, speaking of food this i'll bleed into product review here i got some stuff called gunpowder seasoning um it's supposed to be kind of an all-purpose seasoning for grilling it's got you know salt pepper garlic powder but i guess the thing that it's it's black in color because they use uh, activated charcoal so when you season your steak it just looks like you're covering it with black gunpowder um you know what activated charcoal is for right no idea oh isn't that for cleaning or odors or is that just regular Possibly, but activated charcoal is what we give usually kids in the emergency room that have, you know, ingested something poisonous. Oh, so it makes you vomit. So it'll it'll coat the lining of your stomach. So it's not a um, it's not an emesis. It's not like ipecac. Ipecac okay. is this med- ipecac is this medication that you drink and then you throw up. Uh, this is activated charcoal is for uh, a lot of poisoning. I don't really use it so much because I don't I don't see pediatrics I don't I don't take care of kids, and my my overdoses and things like that they I I couldn't tell you the last time that I had written an order for activated charcoal but anyway it's hilarious that you have that in your 
in your I, seasoning. That's a that's a medication for poisoning. You know, it, it was fine. I maybe my standards are just too high. I, I don't know what it is. I felt like it needed more salt, more garlic, but I like a ton of garlic. I know you try to limit salt, but I just felt like it needed something else. Um, so I'm going to try smoking with it next time. I'll put it on a brisket and do it in the smoker all day and we'll see if uh, it gets any better flavoring because I was like, well, maybe the longer it cooks, the better it turns out. So I don't know. I'm going to give it another shot and we'll see if it works out. You think not not enough on the seasoning in general or not enough salt, garlic, etc.? I think not enough salt, garlic, um, but, you know, I think maybe cooking it longer may would have been better because I did it on a steak. So I don't know. We'll give it another shot see if it works out. If not, then we'll just go back to traditional. So, yeah, the activated charcoal, by the way, absorbs, it absorbs a lot of toxins. So it's oh, not so, so it much. Probably absorbed all the flavor. There you go. Yeah, I wouldn't understand why somebody's like, you know what this needs? A poisonous in, a poisonous ingestion medication. Let's put that on there. That sounds like a good idea. Unless they were just going for that perfect sweet spot, you know? Mm-hmm. We're going to make this insanely spicy, pretty much deadly spicy. You know, like, oh, you better put a little bit of activated charcoal in there. Just to, you want to get somebody to the edge of death on the seasoning obviously don't go don't go over the line and just put a little bit of activated charcoal in there that'll protect them maybe that's what they were going for a little bit of a buffer yeah well um you got some product reviews here you're looking at getting your new vehicle soon huh kind of so i do have to really one thing i want to say is elon come on we've talked about this before i'm really i can't wait for my cyber truck anymore come on elon I'm fed up buddy I know you're you're trying you're trying to get us to Mars and everything, but I would like my Cybertruck. So I do need well, I need an SUV. I need a, a beater vehicle for hauling lumber, and we're getting into landscaping season, which I love and hate for many reasons. But obviously, <laughs> trying to do landscaping in the Texas sun in summertime is not my favorite thing ever. I've come down. We've we've come down to Honda Toyota and Jeep SUV. So nothing too over the top. I don't want to. I don't want to do heavy duty. One of the ones that we looked at was, was too big. Was like 17 miles per gallon. So I'm just kind of reaching out to friends right now and say, hey, you guys got good, good recommendations. the The last Jeep that we had was like the standard Jeep SUV. It wasn't a Jeep Jeep. It was a the standard like Cherokee or something. Jeep Cherokee. I think that's what it is. We've had that for a good decade or so, and it's gotten the job done, but it is falling apart. So I'm going to have to make a decision sooner rather than later. Still doing test drives right now. And that's what I'm looking for. Something not too big, not too small. Might might go for the hybrid range. There you go. Hybrid, hybrid idea. I think uh, the Highlander is on the list. And then I can't remember on the, on the Honda what, uh, what we were looking at. But yeah, I got it down to the last three, two or three, and gonna make a decision sooner rather than later. All right. Well, hopefully, uh, we get maybe we get a big sponsor here, and Toyota just gives you a free Forerunner or something. I would love that. I did. <laughs> I, I've I've rented I've rented real deal Jeeps. The you know the Jeeps where the top comes off and things like that. Mm-hmm. They're a lot of fun when when I go out to Oregon and uh, go up and down the coast. Uh, those are just a blast. 
I just don't think I want to own one. Number one and number two, they're not the best on gas and gas is only getting worse. And so that's, that's where I am. They're, they're fun to rent when you get away for a four day weekend or whatever, but don't think I would want to own one. All right. You want to take a break real quick before we get into our. We are going to take a break before we get into history and life, death and everything in between. And we will, uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. This is a doctor and lawyer walking to a podcast, May 19, 2023. That was a great break. Fantastic. Guess what that break was for me? Uh, pee and beer. Necessary. Nailed it. <laughs> Got it. Just wanted everyone to know that I wasn't having a stroke. So we are ready. We're going to get into history time. And it's our favorite segment. It's history time. It's history time, Sean Esquire. Oh, we're so high tech on our end. We're definitely, I think that's it. I think we're going to go with that. So we're going to start with May 14, 1796. And starting with this, this is the first vaccine ever. So this is not exactly timely, but I will say in this day and age, a lot of talk about vaccines. May 14, 1796, this is the first vaccine ever from a young man, I say young man, Edward Jenner. No no relation. No no relation. He was. He was the great-great-grandpa. No, he was not. There's no, <laughs> there's no relation whatsoever. Little background history. So this is, a, this is the vaccine against smallpox. Smallpox was devastating. It was like AIDS, Ebola, COVID. It was probably very, very close to COVID, if not worse. Had a 90% mortality rate in infants. And then beyond infants, mortality rate was something around 30%. I don't think they were keeping great numbers back then. But those were kind of the the seventeen hundred numbers, smallpox based on is the one that leaves the uh, the scar on your arm too, right? So small. Are you talking about the vaccine or the yeah the, the, po- the pox itself? No, when they give you the vaccine, that's where you get the scar on your bicep. Or... I I'm pretty sure. Do you have a scar there? I don't have a scar there. I, I don't, but my mom does, and that's right. why I wondered: is this something we didn't vaccinate for? So after? we don't. You're getting you're getting ahead of us a little bit. Okay. That we don't we don't really do it anymore. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that. Just Gosh. pump the brakes there, Jesus. <laughs> so I'm so I'm sorry. You want to do the science part, and I'll do the law part. <laughs> so, so I want to say this is from the CDC webpage. Everybody, before you get upset with me, based on the CDC webpage. The first written descriptions of smallpox were from, this is uh, around the 4th century-ish, China. Can you, did you know that? that? China has some problems with some, some really bad viruses getting out of China and causing a, cause, causing a pandemic. I have, I've heard of this before. Um... We're doing, we are doing our Grey's Anatomy podcast. <laughs> Now I got the dog going. I the love, daughter I just came home. Throwback to to episode one. Oh man, so good. No, I, I'm hoping my dog shows up and does a squeaker toy for 30 minutes. So <laughs> the CDC on their page, they said that uh, fourth century China is the first written descriptions around that time regarding smallpox. So China, what is going on over there? <laughs> A lot of viruses. Right. Well, I mean, that happens when you eat bats and. God knows what goes on over there. To be fair, they think that there was 
they found it on Egyptian mummies, so even older than even older than fourth century. They're not exactly sure, but they found some pox-like findings on on the Egyptian mummies from years and years ago. So before there was vaccinations, there was something called variolation, and basically what this was was that you would take pus or you would take quote unquote material from the smallpox mm-hmm. on someone's skin, you would do one of two things. You would take that pussy material and you would just cut into someone's skin and put it on the skin and just cross your fingers and say, oh, hope hope that works. Hopefully his body fights it off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or the other one was that you would, gr- <laughs> you would grind it into an aerosol and have them inhale it like you were Scarface, like just like... <laughs> <laughs> Smallpox cocaine. Right, exactly. So the whole uh, vario- variolation, that whole that whole process, they're not a thousand percent. They're not hundred percent sure. They think it was it came from either India or China. So maybe China was trying to defuse the bomb that may or may not have come from them. So what happened there was flash forward many many years to the early seventeen hundreds, seventeen seventeen. There was Lady Mary Montague. This is an English aristocrat. Aristocrat. She wrote a lot of letters. She was a letter writing maniac, like a, like a fifteen year old girl texting. Mrs. Lady Mary Montague was firing off letters left and right. Her husband. Did she have cats? <laughs> so many cats. Yeah. Her her husband is a British uh, ambassador to Turkey, so they go down to Turkey. In Turkey, she had learned about the variolation thing. So the variolation variolation process of let's take this disgusting material from smallpox sores. Then she had saw that she saw that firsthand. So the the variolation also, I think there were other names for it. They called it ingrafting or um, something else like inobulation, something. But most everybody called it variolation. So she saw that, and then. She said, oh, let's let's try that. Obviously, smallpox is scourge of the world at that time. This is after, way, way after the Black Plague. Black Plague, Black Plague, Plague was a bacteria called Yersinia pestis, which we actually, we still have Yersinia around, but it didn't decimate. It's not decimating us now. Anyway, so Mrs. Mrs. Lady Mary Montague, she sees it, and then she starts that process where you get the gross pus from the smallpox people, just put it in somebody, cut their skin. I don't know if she was doing the, the inhaling process. And then you just cross your fingers that it works out. So it worked out a lot. So she had her son do it actually in 1718. She's like, I got to try this on my son. And then her daughter, she had it on her daughter, who was the first person in England who did the process. So she hits up her daughter with disgusting smallpox, 1721. Flash, flash forward again. 1757, we have eight-year-old Edward Jenner. Oh, by the way, did her kids survive? Kids survived, as far as I know. Okay. I didn't see anything about them them dying. Maybe maybe they died and they covered it up. They're like, oh, it works. Well, so the first kid definitely survived because that was proof in the pudding for her. And she said, oh, this is a real thing. We definitely got to do it. Edward Jenner, he lived from 1749 to 1823. And then... He gets, at the young age of eight, he gets the variolation process. Then in May 1796, 
he meets this milkmaid. The milkmaids often got, you know, a sore or a couple of sores from cowpox. Now, cow, cowpox is nothing like smallpox at all. You get cowpox, it comes and goes. But one thing that he noticed was the cowpox ladies had immaculate skin. And the Lady Mary Montague, she had noticed the Turk people who also had immaculate skin. This is like, maybe it's Maybelline situation. So then he gets the bright idea, hey, instead of like getting the disgusting material from the smallpox, which might kill you, again, we don't, we don't know how much the variolation, how much it worked. And he says, let's, let's get it from the cowpox. We'll get the disgusting material from cowpox because cowpox won't kill you. And then maybe that'll work. So he does that. Boom, bang, boom. There you go. It works. It and then, by the way, also, he tried it on a little boy. So back, back in the 1700s, it was like, oh, I want to try this new medication out. Come here, eight-year-old little, eight little boy. Let's test it on the kids. Get, a, get, a, get over here. There was none so, of this stuff. Like, so their vaccine trials was just inject children. <laughs> exactly. That's not a joke. That is what they did. So, oh, by the way, uh, sidebar, I hope I used it right. The word vaccination, what do you think it came from? Uh, vaccine. Correct. Yes. Vodka. Vodka. Cow. Vodka. Vodka. V-A-C-A. Vodka. Vodka. Cow. Yeah, like the cowpox. So they went from cowpox and then he did that. So he tries it on an eight-year-old boy. It was like eight-year-old boy. It was the son of his gardener which was great. <laughs> hey, can I borrow your kid for a minute? You better, you better not be putting a deadly pus inside. Of, no, I'm not going to do that. Go back to gardening. Don't worry I'm about what I'm doing. I'm putting the cow pus in him. So then six weeks later, he, uh, he, he does it again. He's like, all right, the kid has lived so far. Let's do, let's try it again. Thank God it worked out. I can't believe he was doing all this on a kid. So they, yeah, it worked out and then vaccinations were born. Uh, smallpox was the, obviously the biggest killer of that time and then he he eventually published all that and then the whole process of variolation was outdated by 1840 so getting the disgusting smallpox stuff things like that was completely gone he may have a lot of a lot of uh, medical historians say that he saved the most lives ever in the history of medicine in the history of the world he has saved more lives than any anyone else so, and that was like a one-time dose, right? Or like no boosters, just a stick and you're good. Yeah. You just get some disgusting cowpox pus. You would just grind it into somebody's wound, open wound, right? And then problem solved. And then now you're talking about the scar on the arm, right? Mm -hmm. Completely eradicated. No one gets smallpox or no one in, in the developed world gets smallpox for sure. So we think that tuberculosis might be the the smallpox now. That might be the newest, you know, greatest killer, especially now that COVID is pretty much done. And uh, there do they were, have a vaccine for that? For tuberculosis? Mm -hmm. Yes, they do. I don't know how efficacious it is. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I'd, I'd have to to uh, read up on it. I vaccinations I are not. Is that is that like a skin test thing they do? So there's a test for it. Yeah. The PPD I have to do every year to see if you, if you have it, you measure it, you know, you get the, the prick in your skin and you come back a couple of days I think later. They, I think they do it on inmates too mm -hmm. like before they put them in like general population. Yeah. So TB is pretty bad in, in prison populations and definitely 
not American prison populations. So TB is pretty high up there. If you look at the, we, we don't think of it a lot in the U.S., but in developing nations, for sure, if you look at the numbers for WHO, TB is just not something I see a lot of. I, I don't know if I see one every, I'm trying to think, three, four years. It's been a, it's been a long time. So, and then how, there's a how, whole. Sorry, this is sidebar. How often do you see polio? Never, never, never. No, I, 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 I've seen somebody with it and I thought it was pretty much eradicated. It's pretty much eradicated. You're seeing somebody that got it 40, 50, 60 years ago. It was an older person, right? It Obviously was an older not, person and can't yeah, walk, like doesn't not, have use of his legs. Not a kid. Yeah, not a kid. I, I have seen polio in an, an older person. I'm trying to think once again, just a handful of times. So polio is pretty much is pretty much eradicated. And that's from polio came from uh, the vaccine came from vaccine came from uh, two guys, Sabin and Salk, famous for laying the ground the vaccine for for polio. Uh, on um, on smallpox, other side notes is a uh, that the Europeans brought it over to the US. And more than anything else, that's what killed Native Americans was smallpox. That's the that's, uh, the, was that the, the blankets? Well, yeah. So they had they yeah they did do biological warfare with blankets, but the fact of the matter is is that even if the Europeans came over here and they were totally nice to the Native Americans, they would have killed off an insane number of Native Americans. I can't tell you seventy, eighty percent, whatever, because they had they had done they had been exposed to smallpox. So coming over. You know, like that movie, the alien movie with Tom Cruise with, yeah, Tom Cruise. And then the aliens start dying off because they're not. They don't have our bacteria and germs and all that. They're not biologically acclimated to the bugs that we have. So that's right. vaccines and that's smallpox. So here's a toast to Edward Jenner for bringing on the, uh, the age of vaccinations, which I fully support vaccinations and of modern science and, and science from the 1700s apparently so shout out cheers, shout out to cheers. edward jenner way to go edward jenner and also i don't want to neglect the efforts of mrs mary montague mrs uh yes the lady but crazy letter writer and then she also was like hey let me stab this kid with this uh disgusting pus and see how it works out and then she stabbed her kid with the with the disgusting pus so she put her kids on the line so that edward jenner could stand on her shoulders thank you both of you um in more recent uh may 17th 2004 big win for the gay community marcia i'm probably butchering his name i don't know if it's kadish or kaddish and tanya mccloskey of malden massachusetts marry at cambridge city hall in massachusetts becoming the first legally married same-sex partners in the united states so it's a big win for civil rights uh for shout the out. gay community shout, shout out to the lgbtq rights and uh yeah love is love congratulations mazel mazel tov to to every to all, anyone getting married got married including uh gay lesbian otherwise huge win huge win for humanity in general may 17th was a big win so one for gay rights two for equal protection rights may 17th 1954 the famous case of brown v board of education uh there's actually five separate cases 
that was consolidated by the U.S. Supreme Court concerning the issue of segregation in public schools. Uh, obviously, the main issue was the constitutionality of state-sponsored segregation. Uh, Supreme Court ultimately ruled that uh, we should not have segregation in schools. There needs to be equal protection for everyone. Uh, that case was actually argued by great famous attorney uh, Thurgood Marshall, who later became a U.S. Supreme Court justice. First uh, black dude Supreme Justice. First right? black, yes, first black Supreme Court justice to take the bench of the highest court in the United States. Uh, so this was a huge huge win. Now, I know that there was still issues going on in the South of the United States, even after this passed. Um, but, you know, I think I say, can I say Thurgood is just a kick-ass name in general? I feel like you're destined for great things. Yeah. Thur Thur Thurgood, get in here. What is this? You have to pick up your toys, Thurgood, but eventually, yeah, that's a great name. What, what was interesting, too, it said they they were actually the Supreme Court was actually unable to come to a solution in June of '53, which would have been the end of the court's term that year. They reheard the case in December of '53. During those months, though, Chief Justice Fred Vinson died and was replaced by uh, Earl Warren of California. The case was reheard in '53. Justice Warren was able to bring all the justices to agree to support a unanimous decision declaring segregation in public schools unconstitutional. Is this the Earl Warren of infamy from the Warren Commission? I have no idea. Maybe another Warren. Warren's kind of a common name, so we'll we'll, we'll put that on follow-up for next time. Sorry. So the, the ultimate holding of the court was we conclude that in the field of public education and doctrine of separate but equal has no place. Separate educational facilities are inherently unequal. So that was a huge win for equal rights for blacks, uh, again, for the gay community in 2004. It's crazy that that's less than 20, 20 years, less than two decades ago, equal rights for homosexual couples to marry. Um, right. And it wasn't well, also, the 50s, I, you know. Well, glass is half full when you consider that we're a young country. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're only a couple hundred years old. And look what we've done in a couple generations. We've made huge strides for civil rights in the last, like you said, like the last 20 years, one, one generation has made enormous strides. So if you look at the backstory leading up to gay marriage, same, same sex marriage, there's decades of fighting and lawsuits and all these things. And then I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying overnight, but obviously there was fighting and fighting a huge multiple uphill battles. So yeah, I, I don't disagree. It, all those things, basic human rights took way too long, but the United States, we're, we're fairly young country. And I think that we've made tremendous strides in terms of basic human rights for the most part. We still have in many, many ways, we have a long way to go, but I'm proud of the progress that we've, that we've made. And most people on the street, people you talk to them, they're they're reasonable people. Do you remember on uh, Miss Brown? She was trying to go to was it Miss Brown? She was trying to go to a high school. I believe it was a high school. I have to, have to go back and look at the whole fact pattern on it because I, several of these cases, there were some different issues, but kind of the ultimate issue for the Supreme Court was the equal protection clause. Um, 
And so, what? And I think was the final. Oh, sorry. What was the the final vote on that Supreme Court for Brown? Do you know? Unanimous. Okay. Nine, sorry, I, I missed nine that justices. part. Yeah, because and, on and, the on the on the same sex marriage one, it was it was a nail biter. It was something like I think it was four to three or five to four. It was a real nail biter. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's good to see a unanimous decision from the Supreme Court on on that grounds and. You know, we're back to a much more conservative U.S. Supreme Court. I believe it's a 6-3 panel now. Um, is so, it really? Yeah. So who do you who do you think is the the moderates the moderates moderate on there? I don't think that Trump's uh, Trump's lady hasn't been in there long enough. I feel like she's fairly conservative. She hasn't. I've seen. I'd have to go back and look at some of the the recent opinions, uh, but. Brett Kavanaugh has actually made some pretty moderate opinions or at right. least for the amount of people that just absolutely hated that guy right out of the gates. And they, and they thought he was going to be a rubber stamp conservative guy. I, I'm, I don't follow Supreme court as much as I should, but I don't feel like he's a rubber stamp conservative guy. He really hasn't. Cause there was a, a recent case that came up with some of the title 42 and immigration stuff um, that I thought if this, they could, probably lean more conservative and, and go against what kind of the democratic ideals were. And, and he didn't in some of those cases. So, um, which is good to see. I mean, in theory, you really don't want, you want everyone to be down the middle of the road. I feel know? like there's, there's a time to be also the definitions for conservative and liberal change, not necessarily week to week, but in this, in this day and age, it changes fairly, fairly quickly. So what we consider conservative now versus 10, 20, 40 years ago is, is not the same thing. And right. I know we both strive to be moderate. There are, there are things that I can be defined as conservative on. I don't think that those things are conservative. And there are things that I might be, it wasn't that long ago that if you said, yeah, it's okay for gays to get married, married, that was insanely liberal. And right. now, thank God, that's, that's not an insanely liberal thing to say. That's we don't care what we don't we normal people don't care what consenting adults do, especially consenting adults behind closed doors. On the on the the gay marriage thing, the the decision was five to four on okay. the uh, the high tribunal. Um, so again, a nail a nail biter a nail biter in the state of Massachusetts, and then a nail biter once uh, once it finally went up the uh, went up the chain. Um, moving forward, kind of a darker day in history, May 18th, 1980, Mount St. Helens, which is volcanic peak in southwestern state of Washington, had a massive eruption, killing 57 people, devastating 210 square miles of wilderness. The blast stripped trees from most hill slopes within six miles of the volcano and leveled nearly all vegetation for as far as 12 miles away. Have you seen the pictures that they have I, of it? I did. It was it's it insane. Was huge. Yeah, so they knew, right, leading up to it that the size seismologist guys had said, "Oh shit." So this was this was not out of nowhere, thank God, otherwise the the death count would have been much much worse. So they knew it was coming. They went around and they told all the locals and everyone, "Hey, hey, hey, is, you know, this thing's going to blow. You got to get out of here." 
I know a story of at least one old timer now that just said, I'm not going anywhere. He said, if it blows, it blows. I've lived a full life. I'm going to, this is a, if it's my time, it's my, it's my time. It's my time. I think that if you're going to go that route, you want to be as close to the volcano as possible. You don't want to be, you don't want to be down, downfield from, but yeah, but I've seen the pictures online and also, so Mount St. Helens was a little bit before your time and I was more or less in diapers. The ash from Mount St. Helens traveled like halfway around the globe. So I know as, as far as Houston, Texas, there was ash that was that was settling down, that that's and how tr- tremendous this was. I'd have to look it up, but I think, like you said, I feel like with volcanoes, they kind of have enough science now that they have a pretty good prediction on if a volcano is going to go off or not. Are they, I I don't think they're spontaneous. I think it's a matter of we're getting a lot of readings and something's going to happen here. Just a matter of I would like to think that volcanoes are not the ninja of natural disasters. (laughs) You're just (laughs) going about your life. Kaboom. There it is. Right. A magnitude magnet. So it was triggered by a magnitude 5.1 earthquake. You, I mean, you've traveled up the the west coast. Have you ever traveled up to see it? Or Pacific Northwest is gorgeous, man. Honestly, especially in the summertime, it is heaven on earth. That whole area. So it's. But have uh, you it's... Got, have you gone up to see St. Helens? I've have seen gone up to Washington. You could. I I've, I've been around it where I can see it in the distance, but I haven't gone over there. Mm-hmm. So uh, actually, Mount Mount Olympus out there is on my on my list. They have a huge supposedly um gorgeous gorgeous state park so it's on my list i get out to the pacific northwest and usually i I hit wine country and uh, lots of seafood and wine but yeah pacific northwest in the summertime gorgeous i mean that thing it it was an explosion essentially but you hear about the you know volcanoes in hawaii i i don't know if they suffer that same type of force or if it's just a ooze out and develop islands uh i feel like hawaii you know we hear in the news like you know even within the last five ten years volcanoes going off in hawaii but i don't think it's been anything of the explosion type situation of what st helens was right they i mean the hawaiian the hawaiian uh volcanoes are the reason why the islands are there right so i i just read that for mount st helens has continuous volcanic activity up until 2008 and then geologists are predicting that future eruptions will be even more destructive as the configuration of the lava dome requires more pressure to erupt so the 1981 was just just a taste of things to come and again poke some holes in that thing just to release some pressure so you don't get a yeah i think there's going to be in the in the very near future there'll be nanobots that get in there you know little skewer it a few times hollywood spiders or little nanobot robotic spiders that get in there and they just do little pressure release valves the the big one in the u.s the one that's supposed to you know end in the in the world as we know it or in at least in the western hemisphere as we know it is supposed to be the yellowstone that's supposed to be the the one that i guess especially since mount st helens already already had a bit of a pressure release in 1980. So I've heard many things about the Yellowstone. 
I can't remember the name of it, but that's that's the one that's going to end the Western Hemisphere. Maybe not mankind as we know it, but that's on the that's all the preppers that's on mm-hmm. their list. Like, oh, when Yellowstone blows, I'm going to take my my bug out bag and I'll survive. <laughs> like, okay, sure, sure you will. <laughs> Speaking of Yellowstone and Montana, going more into current events, the state of Montana has passed a TikTok ban to go into effect in January. Man, you're 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 nailing the segues, by the way. Keep it keep it going. Thank Sorry, you. keep that keep that energy going. So they, they've signed a, a bill to <laughs> ban the social media platform TikTok to protect citizens, uh, I guess from bad reels watching uh, watching stay-at-home moms dance <laughs> i i like tiktok um mm-hmm. i just i'm, a, I'm aware <laughs> you, you know yeah i'd send you know a dozen a day um you know they're concerned that oh this the chinese government can see stay-at-home moms dancing and they're gonna get some secret information i guess right no so my my take is you know i used to be on tiktok as well and i would i would send you like hey look at me i made i made a barbecue video and i put some music to it what no one else has ever done that (laughs) yeah but here's my thing as we we're literally like using laptops and and iphones right now like the u.s government is spying on us a hundred percent for sure they got busted red-handed during the Obama years, spying, meta-spying on millions of Americans, warrant, warrantless spying. So let's just know that we're, that we're getting spied on for sure. I don't want other governments spying on me if I don't have to put up with it. So okay. TikTok to me, I'm, I'm okay getting rid of it, getting it off my phone. I don't need, I've already got I, one I guess this superpower. would be my thing, and you're probably going to agree on this. I don't think it's the government's job to say, hey, citizens, you can't be on this anymore. Like, I feel like, you know, put out the concerns, give me a report on what they're getting, and then leave it up to us to decide. So I completely agree that almost almost 99%, excuse me, 99% of the time, less government is, is the best government. With TikTok, I feel like there should be a caveat there that supposedly on the TikTok that the Chinese can use the technology, not just listen to you or to get into your laptop, but it becomes a secondary tertiary spyware sort of thing where they can listen to people around you. And then some guy mentions, hey, work at the Pentagon. And then they know, oh, let's bug that guy's phone. And so I think that's the concern Obviously, there's always going to be a line between real deal liberty and national security. I know there's a huge blurred line there. Guantanamo <laughs> Guantanamo was a huge overstep. It's essentially a war crime. Expi- uh, suspending civil liberties, absolute, <laughs> absolute war crime. So a lot of things have been done completely wrong since 9-11, uh, abuse of executive power, things like quote unquote, that in the name of national security in the name of stopping al-qaeda from attacking us again mm-hmm. so i agree you know people should have the least amount of government as possible on the tiktok thing if they would just and, and again there's national security involved they could say oh we've caught the chinese red-handed using tiktok to do xyz then 
a lot of people would say, oh, well, then to hell with it. I don't I don't need right. that. But there's going to be there's going to be high school kids and there's going to be lawyers that are like, I'm keeping the TikTok. I'm I need to <laughs> I need TikTok to know about my dance moves and my brisket. Look at this brisket that I'm making. I'm putting so, my gunpowder seasoning on and putting it to and creed. The other the other reality, like a lot of people will say is, hey, man, I don't know if you know this or not. You're being spied on. Like I put the I put the duct tape on my laptop when we're not podcasting. Just it's it's like a band-aid on an arterial bleed. There's no way. <laughs> but in my head, I'm like, get out of here, CIA. You're not gonna watch me eat this cheeseburger while I'm <laughs> while I'm watching Roddy Dangerfield clips or whatever. So that's that's my delusions of grandeur that I just put the duct tape on the on the camera on my laptop and I'm like, ha ha, you're thwarted, CIA, <laughs> FBI, China, all of you cannot spy on me. They're spying. That's what iPhones are for. You know, Apple got in trouble for that for a long time ago. That that it had just been disclosed that they just handed over information to the government. They were like, oh yeah, you want you want data on millions of innocent people. You want to spy, and then Apple just handed it over to the government and said hey have at it yeah because anything that you put in public domain is readily accessible well yeah uh, but apparently public domain is that you call your friend on the phone and talk about what you did with your day and the government is like that counts we can't have another <laughs> we we can't have another 9-11 yeah so that stuff happens all the time look at the amount of of warrantless spying and and uh everything else that's been going on probably probably way before 9-11, but they probably got very, very excited when they started mass producing laptops and smartphones and every and everything with the camera and everything with a microphone. The CIA was like popping bottles of champagne, like, oh my God, this is going to make our job a million times easier. <laughs> well, so that's for the TikTok ban. Um, next on here, I haven't read this because it's like 316 pages the Durham report, Dr. Blom, I think you looked up some, some high points. You know what, man, I would have loved to, if you would have given me the Mount St. Helens, I would have been reading about that, (laughs) you know, two, 2 AM, 3 AM watching the video. You stuck me, you stuck me with this stupid dorm report thing. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to draw straws uh, on the next, on the next episode. So the dorm report, obviously you can't call it a nothing burger, but also at the same time, you know, how many arrests and what, what really comes from it. Also, I want to stress, I did not read the 300 pages of the report. I tried to track down as many bullet points. I have a life, everybody. I have a, I have a what? life. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm reading 300 pages of something, I would, you know what? I would probably read 300 pages about Mount St. Helens. I can't tell you how much I read about, about Edward Jenner a lot. So on the, on the Durham report, first and foremost, really only one criminal charge, right? The criminal charge came down on this FBI lawyer, Kevin Kleinsmith, who scumbag. So Kevin Kleinsmith, he pleaded guilty to altering emails to support the whole, do you, do you know the name of the operation to, to prove that Trump had Russian collusion? No. Crossfire hurricane. Crossfire hurricane. <laughs> Right. You know what that's from, right? No. Rolling Stones, man. Come on. I was born in a crossfire Who are hurricane. They? <laughs> they're a rap they're a, they're a rap band. They're a, are a they mumble. on TikTok? 
they're a mumble <laughs> rap band. They're probably on TikTok. And so, yeah, they're influencers. Uh, I love that they went with somebody in that department was like, oh, I got a perfect name for this to prove that that Putin and Trump are BFFs. So really, in terms of you got 300 plus pages, what's the end result? They got one guy who pleaded guilty, by the way, zero jail time for that guy. And then in the report, one of the biggest, you know, like the Mueller report, the most important thing was no Russian collusion or no proof of Russian collusion. They try to dance around it. Mm-hmm. The The bottom line on the Durham report is all senior executives of the FBI that were overseeing crossfire hurricane or uh, since then they've uh, they've retired, they've resigned or they've been terminated. And that's from FBI general counsel, Jason Jones. So if all of those people involved have gone either by their own volition or terminated, why, why would you, that's not that's not like oh there there was a due process and everybody was doing what they were supposed to to me that stinks to high hell and again we've stressed this before to our wonderful listeners we are not diehard republicans we are not diehard democrats i tend to lean more more libertarian i i I want again i i like less government i am not i don't want any more taxes for sure and so before we get into the facts, I just want everyone to know one of our big things is that we don't want to spin the facts. We have no, we're not married to any kind of political group or whatever. We're, we're married to political ideas like the ones that built this country, the ones that, that we're supposed to do and in terms of civil liberties, human rights, et cetera. But we're, we're not, I'm, I'm not a Trump fanboy. I'm not a Hillary fanboy we are pissed off at all the same things that you guys are pissed off regarding healthcare, education, all of it. So that being said, you can go back to, it's not the beginning of this, but there was a, there was FBI, that guy, Peter Stro Strozok. Stros, yeah. Yeah. So remember him and that lady, she was a, an attorney for uh, for the FBI. They were on the same. Oh, on the they same were sharing team. text messages, wasn't it? Lisa Lisa Page, right? And then, so they yes. got caught. They got caught red-handed during the campaign of Trump campaigning, and they said, "We got to stop Trump from getting elected." That's a direct quote from them. So when you people are investigating somebody, you really don't want to be caught doing partisan anything. So granted, I I think that they were. Probably, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say they were, maybe they were able to put their politics aside and all this other stuff. But also, one we've mentioned many, many times, Trump has been he has been investigated day and night for forty years, fifty years. This guy has been under investigation forever. And what do they get? He paid off some porn star to shut up about them hooking up. He got, he got busted. <laughs> Like Dave Chappelle said, he took work home from work. <laughs> that was this, that was a big thing. And then this this newest thing regarding the sexual assault. Who knows? I, I feel like that's a whole different uh, bag of worms. You know, that's definitely he said, she said, many many years after the fact. He and didn't so, even show up for it. Right. Yeah. It, and then he and then he got would... a, he got he got arrested <laughs> by the the New York DA for whatever. And then he's, he's uh, not going to go to jail. Money fraud stuff. 
Right. So in, in the course of his life, he's probably done some illegal things and he's definitely a, a very divisive person. And we, we really need a unifying politician. Mm-hmm. And regard, regardless of everything else, let's get to the bottom line. Trump is too old. Biden is way too old, period. In yeah, the I... course of the, of the Durham report, one of the bigger things is the, the media spin. So there's that. And then also the, the government and the media both, uh, they just really had it out for Trump from day one, obviously. You know, what's interesting, I, I read an article the other day about ages uh, in U.S. Congress that millennial group, which they classified the group of 25 to I think 42 or 47, is the least represented age group in the U.S. government. They're the largest population of the United States, but we have the least representation. So, you know, if you're going to represent the mass of the people, should probably be somebody in their, you know, late 30s, mid 40s. They're they're coming. They're, they're up and up and coming, but absolutely, I mean, the approval rate for Congress has been 30% for many many yeah. years, 20 20%. It's been it's been abysmally low for many many years. For many reasons, yeah. by the way. I mean, look at so the Clintons were talking about healthcare reform, and then and then obviously then there was there was Obamacare, and then there was Trump Care, and so every president has his own idea about fixing healthcare. Meanwhile, forty years have gone by. All these all these years have gone by, and it's still. Uh, I work in a broken healthcare system. No one is going to, no one is going to debate that. Or maybe the pharmaceutical companies and the insurance companies will debate that. But yeah, so we have very, very basic problems regarding healthcare education that they have been talking about and talking about and talking about for decades. And (laughs) they fail, they fail time and time and time again. Absolutely. They fail. So that if, if Congress has a 30% approval rate, 20%, whatever it is these days, they've earned it. They've absolutely earned it. So Um, I'm, I, I look forward to the up and comers yeah, I, I look forward to to people that are not eighty, that are not <laughs> that are not uh, that they've lost touch. And also, I, I I say this both in retrospect and also given given current events, maybe a billionaire is not the right person to to put. Not not just I'm not talking about running the country just at a state level, at a city level, at a county level. A billionaire might not have a real grasp of the day-to-day blue-collar American that is trying to take care of their dad dying of cancer, that's trying to get their kids, trying to pay for college, and college tuition has gone up over a 1,000% of my lifetime. That's trying to do all the things that we're trying to do, quite frankly, that a lot of other countries are doing better than we are. So these are... They're, they may not be solvable problems that we're looking at, these very, very real day-to-day problems, but they have shit the bed. I'll say it flat <laughs> out. D- DC has shit the bed in many, many ways. So I think in some ways it's calm before the storm. Once the millennials and everyone, they start catching up. I I liked I liked Pete for the last election. Uh, mm-hmm. I I'll, I'll go on record right now saying I did not vote for Trump or Hillary. And so does this country need a third party? I feel like in many ways it does. 
I understand there's pros and cons and having, you know, two, three parties, everything else. But yeah, I'm, I, I won't be towing any party line whatsoever. Number one and number two, I am very, very well aware of the myriad of problems and uh, the myriad of ways that DC has failed us. Um, but finish. I don't think, by the way, I don't think that Trump and Putin were BFF and that Trump was secretly a KGB agent. And then they had that dumb story about like, oh, he stayed at a hotel and he got peed on by a bunch of hookers. And <laughs> now Putin's going to, right. They said a lot of dumb, just dumb, dumb things that didn't happen. So now you have two reports. You have Mueller and Durham both showing no Russian collusion. Put it to bed. Stop bringing it up. That's enough. Uh, moving into sports ball or sports puck, uh, my Dallas Stars are advancing to the conference finals tonight. But something miraculous happened last night, Dr. Blob. Did uh, they do that thing where the guy, like, he flies through the air, like when they beat the Russians back in the 80s and they got the <laughs> uh, Do You Believe in Miracles? The, they, they did that one. I know that it was, one. It was somewhat like that. So last night was a the conference finals for the Florida Panthers and Carolina Hurricanes. That game went into the fourth overtime. So they played a full one hour hockey game. Then they went into another full hour of hockey games through the first, second, third overtime. And in the fourth overtime with like 13 seconds left, the Florida Panthers scored a third goal to win the game three to two. That was listed as the sixth longest NHL game in history, ending oh around 2 a.m. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, a long I, game. I, I stayed up for the whole thing, too. No, really? Like, You're su super I, fan. I, I, I okay. love hockey. And so I was like, okay, first overtime. There was actually a goal that got scored in the first overtime by Florida, but it got called back because there was goalie interference and so they it, it stayed tied two to two four they hours went, for three points is that right it, uh four hours game, for four hours for four four the, points no, the games it was like six hours the, the game points the game started around 7 p.m our time and it ended after like 1 a.m <laughs> that's too long that's way too long well sorry was, what was the final score i forgot three to two yeah six <laughs> hours for three points that's you way know, too long and maybe if you play two they played literally two full games plus an extra period maybe they should give them like two wins instead of just the one win oh, you know God. those those poor guys like how how miserable were they <laughs> they got to be drained but uh, on that, I think we'll take a short break and we can wrap this up with some of the stuff we've uh, watched recently and uh, get on with this. Big, huge things when we get back. We'll be right back, everybody. And we are back. Great to be back. And also, I want to give a shout out to both of our dogs for interrupting us. Not every episode, but definitely probably like 90% of episodes. And our dogs are necessary. Did it again. Two in a row. All right. Necessity. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to tackle that. That's too much. That's too much. So, Sean Esquire, what you watching? I started and finished the series Waco on Netflix, discussing the siege uh, down in Waco, Mount Carmel, the Branch Davidians that were attacked by the FBI and the ATF for 
uh, offenses involving minors, possession of automatic weapons. It was a over a month siege and standoff before ultimately the compound uh, caught fire. And of course, the government said, whoa, 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 wasn't us. They started caught the fire. fires. Yeah. This, sorry, this was this one of these uh, made for TV things or this was documentary? It was made for TV. It was a lot like the uh, the Waco series. It was on like FX a few years back. Okay, it's um, so like a like like a like a Lifetime channel, but Waco. Yeah, but I feel like the FX version was more of like the perspective of the Branch Davidians. I feel like this Waco was more neutral because they did have interviews with some of the survivors that were there. They had interviews with the agents that were there. So they interviewed both sides of it. Um, See, that's that's real journalism, by the way, or at least that's that's what journalism should be. Yeah. So they, you know, showed the the news coverage. Uh, I didn't know this till I saw the show that Timothy McVeigh was actually one of the protesters out there at Waco. Oh wow! So that makes that makes sense. I think he had said something. I don't know if he had a manifesto or whatever that he had alluded to Waco, right? Uh, and a number a number of things that he saw when he was well when he was overseas in the war, and mm-hmm. then also Waco. And he said, "Oh, this is why I'm going to murder a bunch of children in in Oklahoma and all the other horrible things he did." Well, all all the people he murdered. You know, when I read up on uh, sidebar again, uh, I had gone down a wiki rabbit hole in Timothy McVeigh. And apparently he, after he was in prison and, you know, written out and basically said that if he'd have known there was a daycare facility at that federal building, he would not have bombed it. So I don't know. I mean, it it was, I think it was like literally the floor above where he set off the bomb. I, I, I don't know how many, how many kids, that he murdered and also if he was that anti-government there's many different ways to to go about it that don't involve killing people for sure don't involve killing in innocent don't involve killing uh don't involve killing people right so (laughs) feel free to protest don't kill people yeah use your first amendment properly and like dave Chappelle said the second amendment is there for when the first amendment doesn't work and we are not really we're not there yet we're not really there so Um, yeah uh, timothy mcveigh i think the best conspiracy story i heard on him was that they when they they executed him and he was um you know he was a cia agent or something like that and then they faked his death and he's i don't know he's living on the island with Jeffrey Epstein and Elvis Presley, who knows, right? That, again, yeah. there's there's plenty of conspiracy theories that are entertaining, but just absolute BS at the end of the day. So good show. I, I'd recommend, Jay, it's only three parts. So it's like three well, hours. So I, I don't know if we've mentioned this before on Waco. If they wanted David Koresh, if they really wanted him, that guy was going into town all the time because they weren't in, they weren't in Waco. They were outside of Waco. Right. So at, at any given time and the, and the FBI knew that the FBI ATF guys knew that they were keeping, you know, multiple they had a guy uh, on the inside. Ex- extensive surveillance. Yeah. And they had, they had an agent yeah. that was like a um, quote unquote member. 
So David Koresh, David Koresh was not hunkered down at uh, Mount Carmel, right? Yep. Was that it? Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't hunkered down in, in Mount Carmel, like Hitler in his bunker that this guy was leaving all the time. So if they really wanted to get the guy without putting kids in jeopardy and that, you know, women and children died uh, because of the raid, they could, they had ample opportunity to do that. So in retrospect, I think that at least the optics from our perspective is that they wanted to put on a show. They wanted to roll out there and say, look at how kick-ass the ATF is. Things didn't go their way. And then they ended off in this, in the standoff. And then people, I, I say innocent people died. I mean, they're innocent. They were, you know, women and children, they were practicing their, their right to religion. He was molesting kids. He needed to, he probably needed to die for sure. If you're messing with kids, you don't, you don't need to live. So that's, that's my take on it. Yeah. So check it out. It's about three hours um, for the full deal. The other show I recommend is a show called Jury Duty. Below Deck. You're done. You're done with <laughs> below your Below. Uh, jury Duty on Amazon Prime. Have you seen this show, Dr. Blom? No. The only thing that I know about it is that it has uh, that dude from uh, what, what movie is it? He was he was on Thirty Rock. He was the he was the love interest on Thirty Rock. James Madsen, something yes. like that. Yes. Yeah. So the premise is, it is a fake trial. Everyone involved, the judge, all the jurors except for one person, uh, the bailiffs, everybody on it is an actor, and it's a so. But the one person who's on the jury. Sonic the Hedgehog. He's on Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> yes, Madsen. Okay, I got it. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. Uh, so the one juror, <laughs> he uh, he thinks the whole thing is real. And so Madsen's uh, one of the one of the jurors. Uh, that's gold. And so I love, they, I love setups like that, by the way. They, you know, he makes friends. They sequester the jury because Madsen's on the jury. And paparazzi storms this fake courtroom to get photos and the judge is like, I'm not going to have this going on in our court. I'm sequestering the jury. And so he's this one real guy staying in a hotel with these jurors that are just, it's, it's hilarious. There's one lady that falls asleep during the trial multiple times. The judge has made the, the real person, the foreman. So he feels like it's his responsibility to make sure the jurors are doing what they're supposed to. Uh, there's a, 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 there's a scene where, he's helping Madsen read his lines for an upcoming role. And it's all to prank one. It's like the most elaborate thing to prank one dude. Right. And basically, Oh man, that's great. That's, that's gold. I love, I love that setup. It has a great ending to it. And I fell in love. It's hilarious. I loved it. So check out jury duty on Amazon prime. I will definitely, I will absolutely check that out. Yeah, that any anything that's insanely complicated to prank one to one guy, <laughs> I'm a huge fan. I'll I'll definitely check that out. I am still trucking through Succession, okay, and I am I am still uh, trucking through Barry. I think they both have two or three episodes. We're in the last season of both. Is that about Su- Halle Berry? Uh, it is not. Okay. Uh, n- nor is it about Chuck Berry. So, okay. yeah, Berry is Bill Hader from SNL. Oh, the comedian. By- yeah. So, by the way, uh, fantastic actor and and 
really, really good writer. I think he's directed some episodes as well. Insanely talented guy. He's one of these like sneak attack guys. Like, oh, I knew he was talented. I didn't know he was that talented. So those those are both great. Those these are my like end of the end of the day shows, winding down, get a bowl bowl of ice cream or whatever. Succession, spoiler alert, last season in, in we're in the last season. They kill off a main character, and I'm very not happy, I guess, with the way they did it. So we're I, I won't give anything away beyond that, but I'm just saying I can see how he or she dying move the story forward but i'm not a fan of the way they did it in particular barry is fantastic i think i mentioned last time i finally finished hunters that was my that was my end of the day show uh, i've got i've got uh you know pros and cons on that and nothing uh nothing else major i'm you know i'm very uh huge rick and morty fan i finished those very yeah. very excited about whatever's going to happen there and then you you had told me previously you're like oh uh, below deck, mm-hmm. I watched I, I think I watched ten fifteen minutes of one of the because there's like three <laughs> or four different versions of them. Can I stay on the below deck number one? Yes, it's a dumb show. Number two, I can see how people get sucked into it. <laughs> and then number three, holy shit, man, those people are really attractive. Like the guys and the girls both, like how do they get anything done at all? And they all have accents. There's like the Australian girl, the South the, Africans. The, the, yeah, they they're, they're like exotic and they have accent. They're all like in shape and like oh, I I gotta go swab the deck. I'm like oh yeah, <laughs> look at her, look at her go. She's swabbing, and the girls are super bitchy to each other. So I can see, I can see how you got sucked into. That. I'm not gonna watch it by the way, but I I I understand the appeal. Um, you're going to the movies this weekend, right? I am going to the movies. I've been trying to go the last few days, but I keep having some, uh, some projects at the house. So this weekend in the next couple days, I'm going to go see guardians of the galaxy three. Oh, you're going to love it at the end. There's so, no, just, ah, just, oh, the, the guy dies and <laughs> he gets the, Oh, the infinity stones are back. So, uh, yeah, huge, huge Marvel fan. We talked about, when I saw Ant-Man three and I thought mm-hmm. eh, it's pretty, it's pretty good. I, I expect guardians of the galaxy three to be even better, but I, I like to go in movies. Look, if I'm going to a movie, if I'm physically going to show up for a movie, then automatically, you know, that I'm crazy into it. It takes a lot to get me out of my house in this day and age. So the fact that I'm going to the movie means I'm totally on board with Marvel and, the the franchise everything like that so i'm going in with the lowest expectations as possible but i'm also very excited and i'm avoiding every single spoiler left and right no spoilers or you're dead to me we'll never be friends again (laughs) so i guess we're about ready to finish this up it's probably been rolling like close to an hour and a half now what do you uh... yeah man we're i think we're we're trucking on our episodes i just want to say in closing that uh, on my end that uh, we we are we're getting into the realm of of empty nesting, and I have been trying to avoid it. Uh, I think just flat out denial, like a hundred percent denial, and it's coming. We got graduation mm-hmm. coming, and I'm I'm dreading it in my own way. I'm like it's hitting me 
day and day, day after day. And I'm just trying to set up like, Oh, let's go, let's go bowling. Let's, let's go to this, uh, let's go to this baseball game. I'm doing And, and by the way, <laughs> the kid is not going to war, right? <laughs> it's not going around the way. It's like, he's going an hour away, but still there's all that. So I'm, I'm very, I have to come to terms with how upset I am and all those things. I'm trying to make my peace, but again, you know, not around the world, not going off to war, just down, down the road a little. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to be happy about all the things that are coming and this new chapter and everything else. But anybody that has been there or that you're getting there, it goes so fast. I know that's, I know that's so cliche. I know that it goes, it goes fast. It absolutely goes fast. You, you're, you're going to be there before you know it. Oh, I know. And then, it, it, you, you know, you, you blink and it's there. And then uh, when, when it does, if, I don't know, if, if, you, if you're anything like me, you spend months and months in denial. And then as you tr- start to get out of the denial phase, because it's, you're going through all the, all the stages of grief, then uh, it's heavy, man. It's heavy duty. So I'm, I'm happy and excited and proud, just immensely proud in general and i and i and i realize all of the great things that are coming but also uh i'm, I'm sad i'm yeah. absolutely sad for, for for me to not say that would would be a flat-out lie so uh i'm dealing with that i'm gonna i'm gonna get through it it's gonna work out but that's you know that's that's where i am i'm i'm happy and proud and sad and and so um everybody that has kids that are still kids just take your time as best you can uh, I, you know, you look back and you kick yourself for every single time I worked a weekend or, uh, I have done my best in the last decade or so to pump the brakes on work as best I can. And I, I like to think that I've done a great, I've done an okay job on that, but yeah, you, you know, you, you do the best that you can with the time that you have and that's it. Yeah. But, but again, also I keep, I keep coming back to he <laughs> the kid is an hour away. It's going to be okay. Probably, <laughs> probably, you know, like, like leaves on August two or three or whatever. We'll be home on August five to do laundry. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll be all right. Um, yeah. 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 It's going to work out. Just little... All right, everybody. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we go, we are now yeah. officially on Apple podcasts. We are on Spotify. We have finally figured out some of this technology. So uh, hopefully we'll get some listens, Dr. Blom. We are real deal. We are legitimate. And happy uh, happy Friday to everyone. Shabbat Shalom. And anything else on your end? Have a good weekend. There it is. All right. Closing time, everyone. Take care.